Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right. Coming up this morning, we got, uh, oh, it's a Thursday. We got Joe Ingalls. Life in the bubble from Joe's perspective. What's it like? Check in with Joe Ingalls later this morning. I'm looking forward to that. He's got his coffee machine. We know that. And then there have been a lot of stories inside the bubble. Uh, interested to hear him, his take on, uh, on some of these and what it's like. Aaron Falk's coming up later this hour. We spoke to him later in yesterday's show. I thought he was really interesting. He, uh, he's in the bubble as a media member. Uh, he works for the Utah Jazz and so it's utahjazz.com for his stuff. And uh, as he'll explain, he is he's not just writing. That's, that's what he does. He used to write for the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, but because there's so few people in the bubble, he's got to do all the social media. He's got to do all the photography. And heh, his take on photography is coming up. Uh, but interesting stuff about the bubble. He said, you know, we hear all the stuff about snitching. And that's a sexy story. And there's no games yet. So people are going to tweet about it and write about it. But he said they have really put the fear into people there. Now a couple guys screwed up and had to go back in, but he said that just kind of drives it home. He says, after you've done those first two days and they had to do like 36 hours, I don't know how it felt with their arrival time, how much of that they got to sleep through and how much of that was, you know, (laughs) 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and you're wide awake and you're in your hotel room and you literally can't go out in the hallway. You know, you have to be in your room. There is no mixing. And he said that was so hard. That was so brutal. The thought that you'd have to do another one and it, it's longer. It's a seven or 10 day or something like that. Uh, no, no, that's just scared everybody straight. They just don't want any part of that. Um, so his take on the bubble come up. He did address the competitive side of it, which, of course, is all kind of guesswork, possibly educated guesswork right now, because nobody really knows. It hasn't started yet. Um, but uh, in that same Walt Disney World sports compound, the MLS bubble is going on. It's a separate bubble. Uh, but Aaron's point was, let's not handicap this too much. We've never seen people take four months off in the middle of a season. We've never see, seen people um, you know, not train as a team for that long, then come back, have very limited time together, and try to play high-level basketball. Uh, is this going to mess with some guys? Which, which guys have problems at home and some kind of drama on the home front and it gets in their head? Who can't handle you know, the bubble and being away and who can and who's going to be motivated and who isn't? So he's prepared for some wild cards. I think largely talent went out, but in any one situation, you can't know. Now, the problems may weigh heavier on the people and on the teams that have less talent. We don't really have a shot here, so they focus on all the other issues and the stress. And so the teams that have the most trouble are the teams with the least talent. So how do you know if it was the talent or, or the other issues that got in their way? We know from watching Major League Soccer inside the same bubble that teams that are playing their second game, in a couple cases, have looked much better than they did in their first game. And that's where I think the NBA putting in three scrimmages in a week which uh, I don't think they scrimmage this coming week. We can ask Joe about that. I think it'll be in, the scrimmage is coming another week. So it'll be a week with three scrimmages and then the basically two and a half weeks that have the eight games. Two weeks, two, 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 two and a half weeks that have the eight games in them. So by the time we get to the playoffs, first off, we, we will have seen six teams eliminated, right? By the time they get down to 16, not counting that playing feature that may or may not come into play based on whether teams do or don't have four game leads, eight over nine. Um, but we'll be down to 16 teams and, you know, 
at that point, they're the better teams, and they ought to be playing at the higher level because they've had the three scrimmages and they've had the eight games. I think we'll see teams ramp up. You know, with soccer, we're just seeing one or two games. Just with Real Salt Lake, you know, Colorado was great in their first two games and they won them before the season started. But then in the startup, um, you know, one of the things we learned right away was RSL's coach, Freddie Warris, was saying, we've trained really hard. The guys have been really competitive. We look good. We didn't have to worry about getting them back in shape. They were in shape. And, you know, we don't see the training sessions just as we don't see the jazz practices. So you got to kind of take them at their word. But you know that if guys are out of shape and they're playing horribly, are they really going to say that? Our guys are totally out of shape and uh, practice today was a wreck. It was a nightmare. I mean, who's going to say that? You know, what we learned in RSL's case is it was all true. They came out. It didn't take them a half to get into the game. They dominated the first 30 minutes. They look great. They look crisp. So are we going to see that out of NBA teams? You know, we may turn on the first quarter of a jazz game and these guys could be playing like it's the fourth quarter because they're so happy to have basketball back, right? It's been four months. This is what they do. And they come out and it's just boom, 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 boom. They look great. Or maybe it'll take a little time to ease into it. It's it's hard to Aaron's point, it's hard to know, but I also don't think that that means it's gonna be bad. You know, those are two different things. And it's all gonna be relative, right? If one team is an F and the other team's a C, well, the team that's getting the C looks great. I mean, honestly, as we sit here waiting for RSL to play their second game, I've been asked multiple times, do you think Colorado was that bad or RSL was that good? Mm, I don't know exactly. I mean, the, the truth is it's a little bit of both. My guess is it's 70 or 80% that RSL played really well because I think you can, even if the other team isn't playing well, you can still overhit a pass and knock it out of bounds. You know, you can, you can still have a great shot and not put it on target and, you know, sky it 20 yards over the goal. Um, and RSL did actually have a chance to score, you know, five or six minutes in and hit the crossbar. Um, so I think it was mostly RSL looked pretty good, but we won't know for sure until we see the second game. And I think the other thing that happens, and I think we're going to see it in soccer, and I think we're going to see it in basketball, is no matter how good you look in that first game, you have to get better. You know, co- college basketball coaches and NBA coaches say this all the time. Like, you can look great on day one, but if you don't improve over the course of the season and everybody else is improving, actually Kyle Whittingham said this about college football too, and no matter how good you are in game one, two, and three, you better be better in game 10, 11, and 12 because the other teams have improved. And so what's a winning effort in September isn't necessarily a winning effort in November and December. So you got to improve. You got to keep. You got to keep ratcheting it up. I don't know. It's fascinating. I'm. I'm glad the games are almost here. Uh, it, it'll be really intriguing. Aaron will spell some stuff out. Plus, he's just got some funny, silly stories about about the downtime. All right, uh, DJ and PK coming up next. Uh, Jason. Uh, Jason uh, Buck. Uh, former Allen Trophy winner at BYU, uh, won a Super Bowl with the Redskins. I've talked to him before. I know he's not a fan of changing the nickname. And I know some of you will agree with his politics and some of you will loathe his politics. And with the issues going forward about should football play, how should it play, how, how can they get back, and you know what's going on with the Washington nickname, it's unavoidable getting into these issues with Jason. I just don't feel comfortable silencing people I don't agree with. You know, I know when we schedule the interview, he doesn't want Washington to change its nickname. Now, the club's already announced they're going to. Uh, I think they should have changed the nickname years ago. I think this should have been done. I think there's a, a group of people who find this highly offensive. Uh, you're talking about them. I don't know if it's unanimous, but I think in large numbers, Native Americans don't like that nickname. I think we should change it because of what they've said. 
Um, you know, Jason doesn't. I still feel like his opinion needs to be aired. I know not all of you will feel the same way, but uh, we'll hear from Jason next. And then it's Aaron Falk. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're joined now by Jason Buck. Former Allen Trophy winner at BYU, a Super Bowl champ with the Washington Redskins. Jason, good morning. Good morning, Big DJ. We have many things to discuss with you, but since I just introduced you as a Super Bowl champion with the Washington Redskins, you have uh, a lot of emotional investment in that nickname. Is this something you think about? Or, hey, it was time to change just a while ago. Just move on. Who cares? I got the ring. I can still call and text my teammates. The memories never change. What are you thinking as you hear all this play out in Washington? Well, I mean, that's that's true. I mean, I'll, well, the memories will never change. And my teammates were a family forever, and I, I think we're all frustrated with it. it. It breaks our hearts. You know, I was just at a reunion a couple of years ago. You know, they have them annually out there, and we're just one big family. And, you know, I talked to Snyder personally, you know, a couple of years ago, and he promised me he'd never change that name. So, you know, I understand the pressure he's under from FedEx and the corporations, but, man, this this just really sucks to see politics get involved in sports. I just hate politics get involved in sports. I don't think it ever has a place there. And, and you know, the cancel culture wins another one, man. It's, it's really frustrating. Were you there when uh, Cashley was there? Yeah, Charlie. Yep. Yeah, he was my guy. He's my cousin. My grandmother. What? Yeah, my Charlie grandmother's... Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure my grandmother's is. a Casserly. Yeah. Wow. My grandmother's maiden name was Casserly. Yeah. <laughs> so... No way. What a small world. Yeah. You know, Charlie, no, he was great. And he loves me, of course. That's one of the reasons I was at the Redskins. And, yeah, I see Charlie once in a while, you know, at the reunions. But, yeah, I was part of that great organization with Joe Gibbs and Joe Bugle and, you know, all those kind of guys. And, of course, Jack Kent Cook was the owner back then. But, it's it, it just stinks. I mean, they're Americana. They're part of you know the Cowboys and the Packers, and you know just the you know we sang that song "Hello Redskins" since 1936 or 37. You know, it's just it was just such a source of pride for the community and the country, and it really stinks to to see it go. That's what I was going to ask you. Can you explain what that franchise has meant to that community? Because obviously, if you've been back there, you know what it's about. Oh, man. If, if anybody is in Washington, D.C., they know how much the Redskins means to that community. I mean, it, it evolves around that entire area. And when you go uh, to Washington, D.C., and when you're winning like we did, you know, in that 
that last Super Bowl is absolutely on fire. And I go back still, you know, being so many years and people know me and remember me. And it's just that is so uh, such a part of the culture of Washington, D.C. and that whole seaboard over there. Do you still go back to RFK? Because, of course, uh you know, they, they were playing soccer there until about a year ago, and I called a game there, and I thought of you, but I got to say, the place was so run down. There were all kinds of jokes about raccoons driving trucks and rats getting on logs because there was a huge rainstorm, and it flooded the whole field. The the dugout, that tunnel in the dugout, you probably walked through a couple gazillion oh, times, yeah. had four feet of water on it. The line of goo on the side of the wall when the water receded, you could see how much water was in there. It was just, but do you still go back there and the memories, who cares that it's not what it was? Oh, yeah. I mean, it is part of your memories. We, and I drive, I drive, I've driven by it a couple of years ago. And of course, you don't go back in that neighborhood very often because it's a tough part of town. And uh, we always joked about it when I was playing there that, you know, keep your, keep your doors locked, watch for carjackers. Be ready to use your car as a weapon to get through there. You know, there was a murder in the stadium, you know, the last year. I mean, I got all those stories when I first claimed to, came to play for the Redskins, right? Because we, we were 30 miles. Our practice facilities were out, you know, in Ashburn. So we just drive in for the game. But it was always crazy. But it had so much tradition. When you went in there, guys, I mean, it played the Cowboys on Sunday night or Monday night. And RFK was full, and you'd sit there on the field, you know, when you're warming up, and and you look in, you could look through the bleachers, right, and see the wooden frame underneath, and the crowd would get going, and you stood all three hours at RFK, nobody sat down, and the, the so you look through and see the stadium just rock, it would literally just shake and and rock up and down, with the people, you know, cheering in the games. It was it was an unbelievable experience. So it's you know it's it's it was an awesome place to play. But you're right, it stinks to see it run down in time, and it's just kind of one of those inner city stories like Detroit or the rundown cities that just don't take care of themselves, and you see something like that fade. But I got to play there in some great great times. Do you have a preference on what you would like to see the new name? Oh. Dude, it makes me sick to even think about it. I, I will always be a Redskin. I'll die a Redskin. And whenever I talk about the team, it'll still be the Redskins. I don't care what they name it, you know. I mean, the Houston Oilers are gone, and you know now they're the Titans. And But uh, I hope they come up with something good. I'll always, I, you know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll make enough money someday to buy the Redskins franchise and rename it the Redskins <laughs> and put it in their face. But we'll see. I mean, hopefully it's something nice and tough that, uh, you know, the Buckster can live with, right? So as a former football player and then your kids played football and all that, um, what do you think about the upcoming football season? And do you think differently for the college the college players and, and the pros? You know, I really think, I know this is kind of crazy, but, you know, you look at it, I, I wish the NFL would have been ahead of this, you know, coronavirus um, thing, which, which is hard for everybody to, you know, science changes every day, it seems like, on it. But I wish they would have just taken the guys back in the spring and uh, locked them all up 
the organization up and like they do in a camp scenario and expose everybody to COVID-19 and got, they're all young athletes with strong immune systems and just get the dang thing over with and have herd immunity on the, on the players and let them go out and play the, be ready to play the season. But, uh, you know, if everybody have to have masks in the stadium, fine. And, you know, uh, laser readings at the front for temperature checks and so on and play a little defense, but I'd love to see them just fill those stadiums like America needs to with healthy people and protect the high risk and so forth with some common sense, but man, we got to function as a society and go forward. So I'd, I'd like to see the stadiums full of good, healthy people and go play football as part of America. It's part of our economy. It's our, you know, emotion or our heart, and I just, I just think we need to do it. So I know it'll change a little bit, but we ought to battle through it, in my opinion. You know, college football, it didn't surprise me at all to see the conferences drop the, you know, non-conference games, of course. You can see that one coming. So, you know, BYU Independence is in huge trouble, which – is no surprise, unfortunately. I always disliked independence, and and now they got to really scramble. So I, I just hope political correctness and all that kind of craziness doesn't get in the way. We America needs the game in college and pro. So you've re- referenced politics a couple of times. You would prefer no politics involved in sports whatsoever. I take it. Oh, absolutely. I, I wish they'd keep sports, whether it's the Olympics or any sports at all, as a sacred place. You know, when I say that, whether it's a soccer stadium or a football stadium, you know, I, I think of football as that, you know, that pure place. When we came into that huddle, whether it was at the Bengals or the Redskins or wherever, you'd, you, you came in with guys from black, white, and brown, every religion in the United States of America, and guys from the West Coast and East Coast and Deep South and Midwest farms and inner cities, as different of men as you could ever have on the planet put together in that locker room. And you know what? We found a way to put all that crap aside and walk into that, come into that huddle as brothers loving each other, fighting and dying for each other in that moment of battle on the field. And all the other stuff was put aside and left in the locker room. And that's the way I felt, you know, when sports is done purely and we fill in those stadiums, RFK or Cowboy Stadium, FedEx Field, whatever, it's similar for the fans. They come into that field in black, white, and brown and whatever religion and and come in on the stadiums and we're all American people, you know, there for one cause and just a, in a pure state and leaving all that world behind us. And we're all one in that experience. And I just, I think sports need to stay pure and leave the, uh, leave the politics and the other things for Monday through Friday and, and stop using the football field as a platform to, for, invite America and everybody take a side and be offended and ticked off as soon as they someone on the field does something. Leave the sport clean and pure and use it to unify America like they should. And, you know, do their uh, community service and their political platforms Monday through Friday. And 
So we're all passionate about those things in our lives, but man, leave the leave the weekend and the the game alone, where we can all become one. And that's I think that's the way it should be. Your shoulders will never allow you to play again, Jason. But we can just hear you right now. You just you want to put a helmet on and get in a huddle like in fifteen minutes. You know, oh. you, you don't even want to wait. You don't even want to wait for. <laughs> for noon, you know, you you want to go no. now. And I did. No. I I do remember seeing you coaching in high school on the sideline at Lone Peak. You know, when your kids were of that age, and you were just all sorts of fired up. It was it was awesome to see. You, ever, <laughs> you, you got any plans in that area going forward, or no? I mean, it would oh. give you something to associate. You know, with the game. The closer you get to it, the better you'll feel. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, you know, and I always coach. And I coached my sons there at Lone Peak, and. And now I coach my grandson, my oldest grandson, out in Chicago in the fall, and he's an eighth grader. And you know, I've been having fun with all my Chicago boys out there. And you know, I, I was an intern with the Redskins, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, trying to get back into the NFL. I, DJ, I had a dream the other night that was one of the most vivid, crazy dreams. And I'm walking through, you know, the uh, underneath the stadium with a bunch of NFL guys, and I was, they're all turning and talking to me, and I'm in my gear. I'm in my NFL gears like Redskins and all these young players are turning and going wow you're 56 years old and playing in the NFL and I'm like yeah no problem <laughs> I'm this big stallion guy in my pad 56 playing in the NFL it was like it was the most real thing there was it was just I wake up and I'm like oh suck that was so funny but yeah I got coach if it was the right situation again I try I talked to Andy Reid and and, you know, you got to go coach for free for a couple of years in the league before you can get in, you know, into the staff. And it's difficult. I've tried to get on BYU a couple of times, and it's always, you know, political, and you're turned away for other reasons. And, you know, Kalani just told me flat out I wouldn't hire me as a D-line coach because I'm not Polynesian. I mean, I've, I've had – I've tried. <laughs> I've tried. But uh, I'll, I'll always be a part of the game. It'll be a part of my life and my family forever. Jason Buck joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, Jason, good luck. Find a way to integrate football into your life somehow. Thanks, brother. It'll always be part of my life and my family, and I think it's just a great American game. I I pray they find a way to uh, get the politics out of the game. Um, I'm I'm sitting down right now and well, it started last night, actually, writing a letter to Roger Goodell and Snyder and Mike Brown, you know, the guys that I know well in the in the league and really on this whole subject of politics in the league and a way to keep it, keep it out of the NFL. I just, I believe it's the wrong direction to go. And uh, it needs to be a place, a safe place for all Americans where we can go and love the game together no matter our you know, our race or creed and, and be Americans. And uh, I just really believe that. It was my great love watching the Ice Bowl and those type of things with Cowboys and Packers in the 60s as a little boy. I dreamed of playing the game out on that farm in Michigan. And and to watch it get politicized kills me. So I hope they return to the old NFL and just pure America. Are you going to run for office again? <laughs> That's brutal, man. That was a brutal experience running for Congress. I, I did my big stand for the Constitution for my kids so they could see it, but that was a tough experience. Here, here it is. 
you're with all these little pencil necks, right? And they're just the biggest nerds in the world that think they're the smartest people in the world. And you come into the room and they all hate you because you're this giant. And I can't beat anybody up like I can in football. <laughs> so it doesn't work very good for me. <laughs> I, can't, I can't go up to somebody and say, hey, you little commie. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I don't. No more politics for me. If anything, it'd be coaching. I, I love the game and love the kids and love changing lives and and you know inspiring them to you know play that game the way we did. And uh, you know, football's my life. So if anything, it'd be football. Well, Jason, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. All right, buddy. Thanks, DJ. All right, PK. There's Jason Buck, and when he talks about geeks and pencil necks, <laughs> I have a hard time not taking that personal. You're talking to a guy who once during a high school football, or high school football, high school basketball game was called Poindexter. Hey, Poindexter, nice play. Actually anticipated pass. Almost stolen and had the fast break. Knocked it out of bounds right in front of the visitor's bench. Some kid said that. I just turned around. Hey, which one of you knows me? Their coach, does, who I didn't know, and he didn't know me. He just burst out laughing. He thought that was the best comeback ever. Um... You know, it's like I said earlier in the last segment. I don't agree with Jason on a lot of this stuff, uh, but I don't want to silence his opinion either. And, and, you know, the common ground we have is how much we love sports and how much we love uh, football. You know, and watching him coach football, I found both entertaining and inspirational. He was at the high school level. He's down at Lone Peak. Uh, You know, that's what we have in common. I really think that by the number of, of bad actors, foreign actors, who are, you know, the bots and who try to get the comment section going to divide America. And, and it works. You know, they can get people really firing off on each other. I really think no matter how little common ground you have with someone on political and social issues, you need to find a way to have a relationship. I think it's bad for the country not to have that. And I'm coming from a family whose politics are all over the map, okay? From the Tea Party to AOC, I got relatives. I don't even have to go into my wife's side of the family. I'm talking about my side of the family. I think you've got to maintain those relationships. I think the fact that people are willing to spend so much time, money, and effort to try and tear America apart tells you how important that is. So even if you don't agree with Jason, and I don't agree with him on some of this stuff, uh, I think you still need to have a relationship. You need to have, find a way to have the discussion. I think it's bad for the country in 10, 20, 30 years if this doesn't happen. Maybe less than that, but certainly in 10, 20, 30 years if, this, if what we have going on now doesn't change. All right, when we come back, Aaron Falk from The Bubble in Florida. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Aaron Falk. He's a writer for utahjazz.com. He's living and working in the bubble in Orlando. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Aaron, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Curious minds, inquiring minds want to know what life is like in the bubble. And I guess the first thing is, you know, is there enough to do? Your normal routine is disrupted. You're you're living in the bubble. I mean, is it to the point you're actually looking forward to talking to us because you just got nothing to do and you need to fill the time? 
yeah, you know, I'm I'm always looking forward to talking to you guys. It doesn't matter. So, um, I you know, I think you know we're we're just over a week into this. Um, I'm sure you know there are going to be days when when guys are bored out of their minds. But it, you know, the thing that everyone, all the players, keep coming back to is like this feels like a really long AAU trip. Everybody's stuck in in one place. Um, you know, there are a couple of restaurants and, and bars here. I'm looking out on the uh, the grounds um, on the NBA campus where we are, which is. You know, there's there's like a mile running track around this thing, and then I'm looking out at some uh, cornhole and spike ball and big Jenga and uh, oversized Connect Four games, and and there's a players only lounge. I mean, there there are things to do. There's no doubt. There's going to be times where it's you know like you're going to go a little stir crazy, have that sort of uh, you know captive island kind of stir craziness, and then, but you know, right now everybody seems in pretty good spirits. So last week, I ventured out of the state for the first time since I was called back from Las Vegas in March covering conference basketball tournaments, and that was a weird feeling in Vegas at the time, and driving home, it was sort of weird. And then the last week, I went down to California, and we checked into a hotel, and as we're walking down the uh, hallway, there's nobody there. It's like 9 o'clock at night. And I said to my wife, man, this really feels weird. And she said, yeah, it does. I'm wondering for you guys, how weird does this feel? Uh, it, it's it's pretty weird. I mean, it's starting to get a little more normal. Um, but just the, you know, from the from the very beginning, just going back to, to the airport for the first time and, and getting on a plane, even though it's something, you know, it's the same plane and the, the, sort of the same feel as before, just getting there, sitting down, everyone masked up um, and just sort of unsure about, uh, you know, what what's going to happen, where we're going. Um, that being said, I really do feel like as, as it settles in, just to be able to see, all, like, you know, there are, I think six or seven other teams that will be in this hotel. And there are three hotels right now um, that the NBA is using here in Orlando. Um, just being able to see all of those people and everybody in the, in the same situation um, has, has loosened things up a little bit, but yeah, just the, the, the initial feeling of getting on that plane, coming here, pulling into um, this, you know, in the, in the middle of what would be, heavy tourism season in Orlando, no doubt, to an empty uh, Disney World hotel was a very, very strange feeling. Um, and, you know, now you just sort of uh, adjust. Same thing as everybody else is doing with all aspects of their lives. You kind of figure out uh, what you can do, what you can't do, and, and you adjust to uh, the new normal, as we are so want to say these days. So... Uh- uh, we understand there's uh, very little media there, and I think some of the media there is quarantining. You don't, I assume you don't really hang out with the players and the staff. Who do you hang out with, or are you the rare person in the bubble and you're kind of on your own? Um, no, there, there's a, a decent, you know, I mean, a decent camaraderie within um, the the staff that I'm that I'm here with. Um, you know, everybody everybody seems to get along pretty well, and and. You know, you're you're going from practice back to the hotel. There are some meetings, testing, meals. Um, you know, everybody, yeah, hangs out. I, we were playing um, Uno last night by by this lake, and uh, 
with, with you know staff and players and everybody kind of just ha- having a, a, a decent time um, cutting loose because today is a, a uh, an off day and so yeah there's there's you know plenty of you like you said there are uh, media under quarantine d- different beat writers who are inside this uh, they call it tier one of the bubble who will be you know on the same hotel grounds and they're they're going through a week long quarantine right now um, and then uh, yeah I mean they're you know every, everybody's still hanging out so it's it's kind of business as usual on the road when you're when you're traveling with the same people over and over and over again all, all year long you kind of uh you know, you form your your friendships and your cliques and and uh, that sort of a thing. So, just, just sort of business as usual in that regard. Uh, and Uno is a highly sophisticated game. I was never able to grasp the concepts of how to win that. How were you able to do that? You know, uh, cunning and uh, cheating. Yeah. Um, the good know, lot, stuff. There was some 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 dispute over over the rules whether it was a a match and play, match and go situation. You know, how many. How many of these threes can I discard at once? But uh, you figure it out. Very controversial, Uno. Too. I've, you know, I've had some long-standing friendships that we no longer speak to each other because of a game of Uno. So I would advise you to, you know, use trepidation and caution. uh, Yeah, absolutely. There was uh, (laughs) a a mandate to not bring any risk or or any board games that might actually cause, you know, lead to physical fights. So. One of the things that, uh, you know, we have Joe Ingles on every week, and a few weeks back I brought up the idea of, hey, no one is really counting on you guys to do much of anything in during these games and then in the postseason when we get to that point. And who's, count- who's saying that? You know, he jumped me pretty quick. And I thought, wow, that's pretty good because I want guys to play with chips on their shoulders. And this idea of uh, that Bogdanovich isn't there was a list of the teams that they were ranking the teams, factoring in the injuries or players who are opting out. And of the 22 teams, they had the Jazz 22nd. I thought, you got to be kidding me. That, that just seems ridiculous. So we brought that to his attention. My thought for you, have you been able to notice any ter- any form of uh, uh, motivation, chip on shoulder, that type of thing, knowing that these guys aren't expected to be there that long because they're losing a guy who puts in 20 points a game? Uh, the the thing that I've noticed um, in, in, you know, was, would be encouraged by from from a fan standpoint is you know like like you said this is this is a, a kind of a weird setup and I'm sure there was there was hesitation on on part of many people to to initially you know kind of wrap their heads around coming here and during during such a strange time leaving family um, kind of up, uprooting their their lives and, and coming here and and the sense I get is like well we did it we are here. Now let's make some noise. Like if we're going to do this, let's do this. Let's not let's not be uh, someone that's just here to, to check the box and collect a paycheck. Like if we're if we're here, we're going to play. And I, I think you know, of course, losing Boyan hurts. Um, there's we're still waiting for kind of you know it seems like Mike Conley's name keeps getting brought up as someone who's going to have the ball in his hand more, going to have more opportunities. Someone who's been. Um, working out and had good facilities at, at his home throughout this uh, quarantine and isolation. Um, but I, I, you know, I, t- I, I get a good sense of, of optimism and, um, and desire from the players on this team. And then the other thing is, I mean, this is, this is absolutely and truly unprecedented. And I don't think it's just a matter of 
you know, looking at the trends and, and seeing, you know, where where guys were and where teams were in March. Like this is this is wild. And I and if you have a really solid idea of what's going to happen, then you are much much smarter than than I am. Um, I, I think right now it is really wide open because there's a you know, do people want to get out of here? Will people be rusty? Will people? Will there be injuries? Like there, there are so many things that are going to happen, or could happen, I should say. That you know, I, I, I really feel like it's wide, wide open. You know, the thing when you, uh, and, and this doesn't work exactly because Conley and Bogdanovich, you know, both start and play different positions. But the thing I've always heard, and and after being told it, I've observed it, and I found it to be largely true, but not. Not not perfectly, not not hundred percent of all cases, but a lot of times coaches will tell you, uh, I believe in the ability of the backup to raise his game, take the opportunity, and if not do what the starter did, you know, do eighty five percent of what the starter did. But then you're asking the third string guy to become the backup, and that leads to a lot of doubt. And other coaches in other situation will tell you. Hey, when that guy plays who doesn't normally play, we are going to attack him. And they crush him, especially at the NBA level where it's so much about matchups. So it's not so much who steps in for Bogdanovich, but who steps in for that player. Uh, you know, and if it is Conley, you know, if Conley, instead of 15 points a game, starts scoring 20 a game like Bogdanovich did, that's great. But who scores the 15 that Conley used to score? Do you have. Uh, more or less faith or more or less of an expectation and who might perform that role, especially positionless basketball, because it doesn't have to be one specific guy. It could be one out of several. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it is it is a, a fair point and, and a good question. Um, the thing that, I, that I'll probably, you know, that I, we'll wait and see is is just how, how deep um, Quinn Snyder is going to go in, in his rotations. It's um, It's so... Like I said, such a strange time, and, and how how fit are guys? Um, what you know is right now, everybody seems in, in really good shape, despite sort of the limitations of of their kind of access to equipment, etc. Gyms um, during the last few months. So, I mean, how, how deep do teams have to go? That that might be, be the answer to that question. But if you look at it, you know. I, th- I think everyone here is going to be extremely confident in what Royce O'Neal can do, what Joe Ingles can do, what Mike Conley can do, um, what Jordan Clarkson can do. And, you know, in, in his moments, Emmanuel Moutier, he's he's big, strong, athletic guy. And, and, and there is some size there that can that can make up for the loss of, of Boyan Bogdanovich. You know, there are, sure, at a certain point, you, you will start to have questions about how deep you can go. But if, if it comes playoff time, guys are in good shape, they're healthy, and you can still keep that rotation tight, it maybe it doesn't matter quite as much. So, you know, the uh, drama that was Gobert and Mitchell – uh, my thought is, once you get out on the floor, those things will settle a little bit. Have you been able to observe anything? Yeah, I mean, I you know they they both said their piece, and I'll, I'll let that stand in, in terms of of where they are. I mean, both said we can, you know, there there were some frustrations, but we're both professionals, and and you know we're gonna we're gonna make this work on the on the floor. And yeah, the the um, practices I've 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 observed, excuse me, and uh, and you know, even even off the court, they're talking, they're they're figuring things out in terms of you know strategy and, and what they want to do, and and 
you know, they're, they're both feeding each other the ball, and, and, uh, and, and they both look really sharp, actually. Do you have any uh, – I mean, we're, we're talking about Bogdanovich missing, but of the other teams that are missing some guys, do you have any, uh, any questions more or less about them? I mean, going, going through, you know, the, the Lakers obviously take a, take a big hit to, to lose Avery Bradley, who was playing really well, and then to add Rondo's injury on, hand injury on top of that, um, you know, it's it's that being said, they still have LeBron James. Um, well, James Harden just got back. It got here last night. It looks like the Nuggets are at full strength. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of talent. I, I think I'm, I don't I don't know that one in the West stands out as as um, truly disadvantaged right now, other than to have the Lakers lose a couple of of defenders and, and ball handlers like that. Certainly hurts, but they're obviously still an extremely, extremely talented team. Any team with LeBron James has a chance. So if you see someone violating the rules, what are you going to do? If I see someone violating the rules, yes. uh, I, am, I am going to keep that to myself uh, in terms of what I'm going to do. Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't think right now, I mean, these, these guys are aware. To see what happened with with Rashawn Holmes of, of Sacramento and to see, you know, like the first to, to be in your room for in quarantine for 48 hours here was obnoxious enough. If you violate the rules in our cot and you're going back for a full week, 10 days, whatever it is, that is, that is, that puts the fear of God. And I think in a lot of people, so um, I, I don't anticipate there are going to be a lot of, big issues like that I, I really don't do you see a lot of people from other teams or do they have the team separated out enough that you you know you see your own group but you don't see the you don't see the eastern conference <laughs> um no you, you like you you definitely do see uh every, everybody who's here at this hotel you'll see you know Giannis walking in the hallway J.R. Smith in the gift shop um like they're there is some interaction there. Like I said, I think there's seven or eight teams here. Um, and it's, it's definitely small enough that you're going to, you're going to cross paths with guys from different teams. There, that being said, there's a lot of directive to, uh, you know, try to limit your, your interaction with people outside of your immediate team, just, just for safety reasons. Um, you know, everybody's in a mask. Everybody's got, uh, every, all staff have these, beepers that will alert you if you are too close to someone that's not in your party for too long um so yeah you're 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 definitely crossing paths but it it is encouraged to sort of limit the amount of time you spend with people outside of the immediate group when everything gets started here as far i know realize it's going on from your perspective now but in terms of broadcasting the games how much activism do you anticipate there being uh you know quite quite a bit i i I do believe the guys that that were concerned about um, coming back here and and playing being a, a distraction to those social justice um, movements are sincere and 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 like concerned about about losing that momentum and concerned about being a distraction and to that end um, yeah I do think you will see a lot of things above, far above and beyond. Um, just putting the messaging on the on the back of jerseys, which is uh, a, a nice um, uh, 
you know, small step, but but people want to apply actions to to this, not just not just words and and uh, and messaging. So, yeah, I, I think absolutely. If you if you have this opportunity and and want to see that change, um, which which guys do, this you know, to take advantage to the fullest, and I, I think you will see guys do a lot of different things. Aaron Falk joining us, writer for UtahJazz.com. He's living and working in the bubble. So the working part of this, what what stories have you already done? What stories have you maybe done interviews for, but you haven't written and, and posted on the website yet? What kind of things are you mulling over you might do in the future? Where, where are you going with the work part of this? <laughs> uh, you know, we're still trying to figure out a, a lot of things. It's, it's um, because there is just one person, you know, the the team travels with 60 people um, to a normal road game, and right now we're at that 35, and I'm sort of a, a one-man band in a lot of ways, doing things that I wouldn't usually do, taking photos, videos, um, trying to feed you know our, our social channels, trying to set up our, our podcast down here. Um, there's a lot of, lot of things going on. Um, but yeah, we are, uh, we've, got, we've got some ideas in, in the works, and, and as, as this goes on, we will be rolling everything out on utahjazz.com and, and our, our channels. But um, yeah, right now, just trying to, to get my, trying, trying to figure out how to be a photographer, even though I'm absolutely not one. So you feel any pressure because you're sort of the eyes and the ears right now of uh, the entire media as far as the jazz go? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, definitely feel you want to do a good job. You want to be able to uh, to capture such a, a momentous and, and historic thing um, accurately and well. And and uh, you know, I mean, I, I feel would feel that pressure probably to, to do a good job regardless. But to to be alone and 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 you know, like like you said, there will be other media here. Um, I think even, you know, media from Salt Lake will be coming in, um, not into this immediate tier one of the bubble, but will be, you know, there for games, et cetera. And, and, um, you know, guys are still doing interviews via zoom back to all the B writers, um, back home. And, and so there, there are these, you know, there's, there's still obviously a lot of stories coming out of here through, through all these other channels, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, you want to you want to be able to show people what's going on. You want to be able to, uh, when we look back on this, you know, in a year, 10 years, whatever, like a lot of guys have, have already said they, they feel like they're in, in uh, they recognize this is a 30 for 30. Like this, this is going to be a documentary for, you know, for, for somebody on at some level. This is a, a, just it's so bizarre and, and so interesting that yeah, you, you definitely want to do a good job. Well, Aaron, good luck with the uh, with the isolation and the bubble. You know, I, I appreciate that, PK. If you have any more Uno tips, you know, DM me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll that's, do. That's why DMs exist. <laughs> Later, guys. Upgrade your Uno game. Thanks, Aaron. Bye. There's Aaron Falk, UtahJazz.com from the bubble in Florida. When we come back, what is trending?